This is the Human-Centric Investing Podcast with John Deal, where we look at the world of investing through the eyes of our clients. Over to you, John. Hello, financial advisors. This is John Deal, Senior Vice President of the Applied Insights Team at Hartford Funds. Welcome to Episode 40 of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Joining me for today's podcast is Julie Jenjak, Managing Director on the Applied Insights Team here at Hartford Funds. In addition to presenting our MIT HLAB content to advisor and client, client audiences, Julie is also an expert on advisor teams. In fact, she spent a big portion of her career coaching teams how to be more efficient, uh, how to create teams, how to uh, kind of keep teams efficient all along their lifespan. And so today, uh, I'm excited to welcome Julie, who who works on my team. So it's great to have some home cooking, Julie. Uh, to talk about some of the trends and best practices that she's seeing related to teams. So, Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, John. I'm delighted to be here. Just in terms of some housekeeping, I want to let everyone know that you can find information on Julie's insights about teams at hartfordfunds.com slash teams. Again, that's hartfordfunds, all one word, dot com slash teams. So, Julie, to get started, what are we talking about when we talk about teams? Are you talking about giant practices with 10 to 20 person teams? Are you talking larger, smaller? For all the folks listening to the podcast, what are the teams that oftentimes you're interacting with? That's a great question, John. And, and honestly, they're teams across uh, across the board. Everything you just mentioned and everything in between. Essentially, it's those individuals or individual that an advisor works with day in and day out. That's how we're defining team and and uh, helping helping them uh, make small adjustments that might uh, lead ultimately to significant results. And and Julie, when we talk about teams, just to specify, I know sometimes. We work in practices that are uh, kind of sole practitioners, but they oftentimes have support staff, uh, CAs, client associates, uh, uh, even people that are kind of responsible for receiving clients. And do you consider all those people part of the team or are you looking more specifically at just the advisors on a team when we reference some of the content that you've helped us with? Absolutely, including all staff members and advisors, essentially all of those individuals that band together to help deliver that client experience day in and day out. So it might be a fully dedicated sales assistant. It might be someone that works half of their time with a particular advisor. But those individuals that that lock arms and deliver that experience, that's how we're defining team. And I know you've worked for for years with teams, and obviously I think the trend is towards more and more practices kind of thinking of their practice as a team. So when you do interact with these teams, especially ones that have said, hey, Julie, you know, we'd love your insight on kind of what we're doing here. Do you find oftentimes that the problems that teams have are kind of big problems where there's a major overhaul needed, or are they more kind of just little tweaks that could make the team better what kind of when teams come to you where do they find themselves 
So often um, it is those small adjustments, as you just mentioned. Um, it's not necessarily saying everything this team has done up until today was wrong and we need to wipe the slate clean and start something completely fresh starting tomorrow. It is those minor adjustments at the margins, small things that if repeated and truly implemented and executed consistently over time, ultimately have a great impact on not only the growth of the business, but again, the, the experience that their clients receive as a result of those changes. So as you think about, you know, and I think about a lot of the things that I speak with teams about, oftentimes we jump to the individual issues, such as, mm -hmm. you know, kind of we're adding someone to the team or, you know, we, we have too many people doing the same things on our team, so on and so forth. But if I were to ask you, Julie, to take a step back and give the listeners today kind of an, an overview, I know that you've kind of boiled things down a way to look at teams into three major topic areas. So would you mind reviewing kind of what those major areas are and then just briefly give us a little description of those those different areas and then we'll take some more time to kind of explore each one a little more in depth. Absolutely. So based on many, many, many conversations that I've been fortunate to have over decades, really there are three separate and distinct topics that teams typically find themselves able to enhance over time uh, with, with a little bit of deliberate thought and uh, investment of time. And the first one is, is accountability. The second one is roles and responsibilities. And the third is communication. So if we think about accountability, I like to call it the we syndrome. How do we ensure um, that each team member understands what he or she is uh, being held accountable to execute and who at the end of the day truly is that accountability partner? Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Number two, roles and responsibilities. Um, I hear oftentimes that advisors will say, oh, we, we all know what each other does, and, and that may very well be true, but I might take it a step further and, and ask, are those roles documented? Are they in a team procedure manual? And are there opportunities for individuals to learn from each other and help each other execute over time? And then third, communication. Oftentimes teams will share with me that, oh, we talk all the time. And, and I'm sure that's, that's, uh, that is happening and that's fantastic. But we'll talk about two different types of communication and maybe how teams uh, might be able to enhance one or both types of communication that will help really create and enhance a positive team dynamic. Great. So let's talk, you, you mentioned first accountability. So I guess my my first question on accountability is that when people want to talk with you, Julie, is, is accountability something that they verbalize? Is it that, like, look, we've got an issue with accountability on our team, or is it something that's kind of the, like a, the, the silent underlying theme that goes unrecognized until you call it to the forefront? And what kind of things are you talking about when you mention accountability? No, that's a, that's a great question. Oftentimes, advisors don't necessarily know that that is what they might be lacking in, in their team or in their practice. Um, oftentimes, the, the, the problem stems from we have all of these great ideas, and every year the same ideas are listed in our business plan. And if I were to take out a business plan from 2012 and 13 and 14 and 15 and so on, the same activities are consistently listed. 
and we're not executing on them. And when we start digging into the root cause or problem uh, or from the lack of execution, oftentimes it's because there is not one dedicated person that is helping that advisor stay accountable to those goals that he or she has documented in that business plan. So that's oftentimes one of the one of the main challenges is there just isn't that consistent person. Um, and if there is a person that the advisor names, my second question is, does that individual know that they're your, your accountability partner? And what's interesting is accountability is a two-way street, but it's not informal. It is proactive, it is deliberate, and most importantly, it's consistent. And to have that consistent and deliberate approach, both parties need to understand what their role in, a, in accountability is. So let me drill down in that a little bit more, Julie, and talk about what are some of the, the roles on a team that you see sometimes the kind of the boundaries blur between who's accountable for doing certain things? Give me a couple of examples. So oftentimes um, there can be some uh, a little bit of confusion or lack of clarity between uh, maybe a registered sales associate role and maybe someone on the team that's in more of a marketing and branding and client education role. Um, oftentimes there are some, uh, you know, parts of the marketing branding client event role that could easily be fulfilled by the registered sales associates. And because the each person's roles are not documented in a, in a line by line, very detailed and specific fashion, each individual thinks that they're responsible for different pieces, but that communication and verbalization isn't happening. And team members can become frustrated at the end of the day because they don't feel valued. They feel like they're um, duplicating efforts or most importantly, things are slipping through the cracks and the work isn't getting done. So how do you, and I know maybe this creeps into the communication topic a little bit, but let's stick with accountability. Mm -hmm. What is the best way that you've seen teams focus on this issue? If it surfaces that it is an issue, um, is accountability something that most of the time we get, we get in a situation because we've just assumed that, you know, this person does this, they've always done this and they'll mm -hmm. continue to do this. How important is it to have buy-in from the person? Is this a thing where the senior advisors on the team look and say, well, you know, I think Julie should be good at this. So why doesn't Julie do it? Is that the best way to handle accountability issues? You know, I think there's a there's a, a couple of, of ideas and, and uh, resources that oftentimes I work with teams on. And number one is the importance of abolishing the word we from your team. And I know you might say, well, we've been taught all of our life that there's no I in team. It's all about we all for one, one for all. And I'm certainly not saying that uh, we're not locking arms and pulling in the same direction. But I oftentimes, when speaking with teams, I'll ask them, next time you're at your team meeting, count some, have, just have someone silently count the number of times the word we is said during the meeting. And they'll kind of look at me and, and think, huh, that's interesting. Well, what I've found that tends to happen in teams, especially high-functioning teams with a great positive culture, is that in order to be inclusive, the team leader or just the team members say, well, we plan to do a client event in the fall and we would like to redo our marketing program and we need to relook at those models. And it's all of these very collaborative activities. Well, it is impossible to hold 
we accountable. And so what one of the resources or tools that that oftentimes teams find helpful in making the difference between great ideas and great ideas that are actually executed is making sure that each activity that a team wants to execute over whatever period of time that their goal may be is to have a team member's name attached to that goal. Now, I'm not saying that if John is written next to the goal of having a client event in September, that John is the only person on the team that will do any work on that event. That absolutely is not the case. Other team members, I'm sure, will help, uh, be a sounding board, However, at the end of the day, when the accountability partner or the lead advisor says, John, how are we coming with that September client event? John is able to report back and say, here's the progress I've made, or I have made no progress and here's why. But we can identify where the gaps are in execution if John is on the hook for that particular event. Otherwise, it will be September and the team says, oh, we meant to do that client event this fall, didn't we? Well, well, we'll think about next fall then. And so that's how we can abolish those activities that continue to stay on that business plan year in and year out. It seems to me, Julie, that there's probably different levels of accountability. And by that, I mean, you know, it seems like it'd be pretty important for every member of the team to understand what the mission and the purpose of the team is, right? Like what yes. clients we serve, how we believe the best way to serve them is, and maybe some of the results that we want to come out of that. So that would be a, you know, is everybody accountable to the mission and purpose of the team? Yes. But then the things that you're talking about are more kind of event or task specific on the team. And I'm just wondering um, would you agree with that? And is it important for teams to review from time to time uh, whether their overall purpose is fresh in the minds of everyone on the team? And then I guess the other question I have for you, sorry to throw so many of you at, one, at you at once, but um, is it important to kind of map some things out on a calendar for, for the year? Is it like it, when we say someone's going to take the lead, whether it's portfolio review, whether it's uh, event planning, whatever it might be, so that there's some deadline on the accountability or does it really matter task by task? Great question. So I think I'll, I'll start with uh, the, the question about the timeline. Absolutely. It is very, very important um, to make sure that goals are measurable and monitorable. And so looking at a calendar, say out 12 months and, and really documenting um, who, who is you know, the name, the timeline, and, and the more specific we can be, the more chance that we have to accomplish those goals. Um, and so I think that is absolutely important. And then secondarily, um, speaking to the, the mission and the purpose and the why, what are we doing each day? Why are we doing this? Why is it important? 100% to, to remind the team and make sure that everyone really understands, not only in their in their mind, but in their heart and soul, wh- why are we doing this? Who are we helping? What I believe that reminder of the mission and vision and purpose does for team members is it helps connect activities back to the mission and purpose. And so, for example, if a team is trying to prioritize and determine what will we do with our limited capacity and time over the next 12 months? There may be some great ideas that are thrown under the table by team members, but 
if they can't be linked back to support that mission and purpose of the team and that client experience that's being delivered, they may, not, may might not be the right time to implement or execute that idea. And so I think that that overarching purpose really becomes a guiding beacon for a team to either confirm great ideas and say, yes, those need to be placed onto the calendar with a name and a deadline and a time frame. Or, you know, that's an interesting idea. Let's table that maybe for another time, because right now I think that takes us off course. So as we think about uh, kind of accountability, Julie, obviously, whenever we're accountable, we've got to be accountable to someone, right? And you, yes. you mentioned an accountability partner, but is this always like the senior advisor or advisors on the team, or is it more of a shared responsibility? I think you mentioned this concept of an accountability partner. How does the mm -hmm. operation of being accountable work in a team, or are there different people that do different things? So what's interesting in financial advisor teams is oftentimes the most seasoned or experienced or lead advisor has taken on that role just by default through the years uh, and and which can be very powerful and and oftentimes that advisor uh, executes on that role very well and, and and really does have a consistent approach to checking in and making sure that that activities are being executed but sometimes that individual, has just taken that role because they felt as if there was no one else. And it's not really something that they're incredibly passionate about, or it's not a strength or skill set. And they would rather have someone else help with the accountability, but they've never gone through the formal process of engaging someone. And so I think really reflecting on, is that the right role for me as the lead advisor or the most seasoned advisor or as an advisor on the team? Or is there someone else that's better suited to do that? Could it be a branch or complex leader? Could it be a coach or consultant that I've brought in that I've trusted for years? Could it be a friend or family member? Again, the most important part of that recipe is that that individual that you have selected knows that that's their role and there is that consistent communication and reporting back of activities. Well, it's a good segue then, Julie, to this idea of roles and responsibilities, which you mentioned is kind of the the, the second topic of study. And, uh, you know, we, we think about, and I agree with you, by the way, I think sometimes based on personalities within the team that the senior advisor or senior advisors may not be the best people to hold people accountable, right? They're just not, right. they're not that level of a detailed person, so on and so forth. But, um, to begin this process of accountability, you say it's important to establish roles and responsibilities. What are what are some of the best practices in terms of doing that? No, that so I think you're absolutely right. It all connects in some way, shape, or form right back to roles and responsibilities. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I hear very often, oh, we're good on that. We all know what each other does. And I think that's a fantastic springboard and starting point. But until on any team, whether you have two individuals or 22 individuals or more, until you are able to see each person's name and title and the core activities that he or she is responsible for day in and day out and see that written and see the entire ecosystem, I would argue that there's a significant opportunity for something to slip through the cracks or 
to have duplication of efforts and have time essentially wasted. And so I think, you know, understanding what the current state of the union is and what each person is responsible for leads to some incredible discussions between team members. And it can also lead to slight alterations that ultimately pay big dividends in the end. Well, Julie, we're coming close to the end here of our of our time allotment for this podcast episode, but I have a lot more questions in this area of roles and responsibilities. But if uh, if you could sum up, we, we talked a lot about accountability, and if you could sum up one thought that you like to leave with teams around this area of accountability, um, and it may be something you've already shared with us, but um, how would you sum that up for the for for teams that are out there saying, you know, teams going okay, but you know, we think we can be better? Um, something on the topic of accountability. I would sum it up by by reminding everyone that there is no we in team, and the teams that have successfully abolished that and been very very specific about who does what and attaches that timeline, as you mentioned and has that formal person that everyone understands is holding them accountable, those are the teams that are able to shift from great ideas to great ideas that have been executed and have had an impact on their business. Well, so cut terrific. out the word we. Yeah, so we look <laughs> for the we's. Um, well, with that, maybe we can uh, kind of <laughs> rejoin on a, on maybe the next podcast episode, if you'd be okay with that. Um to kind of pick up this discussion about roles and responsibilities, because I know um, you have some hints for kind of how to initially begin thinking about different members of the team and who might be best for what. Um, but would you be willing to join me on the next episode? Absolutely, I would. All right, that'd be terrific. So for all of you listening, we hope you enjoyed today's content. And I'd encourage you keep an eye out for the next podcast where uh, Julie and I will be going deeper into these topics of roles and responsibilities. And also, Julie mentioned kind of the two aspects of team communication. So we look forward to talking with you again on the next episode of the Human and Centric, Centric Investing Podcast. This podcast is intended for use by financial professionals or in conjunction with the advice of a financial professional. It is intended to be educational in nature and should not be construed as individual investment advice or a recommendation or solicitation to buy, sell, or hold any security or to adopt any investment strategy. It does not constitute legal or tax advice or fiduciary advice pursuant to ERISA rules. 